In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, welcome to worship as beloved people of God. Our prayer today is, Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine upon us, and we shall be saved. I'm Pastor Mark Hall from United Lutheran Church in Prairie Farm. And I'd just like to call your attention today to announcement and prayer concern. Please note that our drive through bake sale, which will take the place of the annual Harvest Supper this fall, your help is needed for the bake sale, which is coming up on October 25th. And please contact Carol Abiel or Jen Steyer if you can help with baked items. And please note the order form for the bake sale that was sent out in your October newsletter. And the order forms for the bake sale, the drive through bake sale, will be due one week from today on October 11th. And then the baked items will be available on Sunday, October 25th. We add to our prayer concerns today the name of Sandy Johnson. And we also remember in prayer the family and loved ones of Barb Weiss. Barb is the mother of Bonnie Romhild. Barb Weiss died on Wednesday, September 30th at Pioneer Nursing Home. The graveside service will be on Tuesday, October 6th at Mount Hope Cemetery in Turtle Lake at 1 o'clock. Visitation at Roush and Steele Funeral Home in Barron on Monday from 4 until 7. We pray God's comfort for the family and loved ones of Barb Weiss. We are now in the season of the church year that focuses on the mission Christ calls us to, empowered by the Holy Spirit given at Pentecost. And we hear the Spirit's call to live our lives serving the restoring, unifying, life-giving mission of Christ. So much are we loved by God that the life of his only begotten Son was poured out for us on the cross, that we might be forgiven and freed from sin and death and the evil one, and we are called now to bear fruit in our serving. Before we hear our scripture readings, let us begin with the prayer of the day. Beloved God, from you come all things that are good. Lead us by the inspiration of your spirit to know those things that are right. And by your gracious, merciful guidance, help us to do them. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading for today, the first reading from Philippians chapter 3. St. Paul writes, If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, 
the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Here ends the reading. In our gospel for today from Matthew, the 21st chapter, Jesus tells this parable. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he set other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death, and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and scribes heard his parable, they realized he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. This is the Gospel of the Lord. The parable we have just heard, the parable that Jesus told, is set in a vineyard at harvest time. Harvest time has come to our part of the country now. In a former parish I served early in my ministry, we lived in a parsonage that was next to the church. And in the yard that adjoined the parsonage and the church, there were three small pear trees. These were remarkable trees because of the incredible amount of fruit that they bore each year, especially in the northern climate. One year in late summer or early fall, when we were just finishing giving baths to our three boys on a Saturday evening, one would uh, the boys were at that time four years old, two years old, and a baby. The telephone rang. It was a Saturday evening around 6.30 or 7 o'clock. It was Minnie. She didn't say it was Minnie. She just started talking on the phone, and I knew it was Minnie. Minnie was about 85 years old and the matriarch of the congregation. And this is what she said. It was a question. Have you tended to the fruit? And I thought for a moment, oh, she must be wondering about the pear trees. No, not yet, I said. 
Well, she said, they are right. And she said this in a way that left no doubt who was responsible for the fruit. Now, since these trees were in the churchyard, I wasn't ready to agree, but I also wasn't ready to argue with many either. Under my pastoral office breath, I was muttering, am I the keeper of those pear trees? I thought being a pastor entitled me to something more. I don't think Minnie would have taken too kindly to that sort of argument, and she reminded me in closing her telephone call that the people at Redeemer Church always enjoy getting a taste of the pears. In other words, since I was the called pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church, living in the parsonage next to the church yard where those pear trees grew, I had stewardship responsibilities. Responsibility to care for the harvesting of the fruit of those trees and sharing those pears. I have to tell you, after that phone call, there was a part of me that wanted to let the fruit stay on the trees and fall to the ground, but I didn't. In our Gospel reading from Matthew, Jesus doesn't call the religious leaders on the telephone in order to get their attention. Instead, he tells a parable, a story about a vineyard which communicates clearly that they as religious leaders have mistaken God's call for them to be caretakers of God's vineyard. The vineyard referring to Israel, God's chosen people. They have mistaken the stewardship call and have wrongly assumed an outright ownership. And in this grandiose thinking, thinking they were somehow above being responsible for caring for and serving the people who were God's people, Instead, living their lives pointing people to God, they had lived in a self-serving way, pointed people to themselves. They had, through their own ambitions, become downright destructive as a result. The stakes pointed out by Jesus' parable are huge. The landowner, namely God, sent servants, even his own son, to the tenants to collect what they owed at harvest time. And we know how the servants were treated, or should I say mistreated. And the owner's son was seized, thrown out of the vineyard, and killed. Jesus told this parable to the religious leaders, to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who were chosen by God to be a blessing to all peoples on earth, called to point people to God as a source of life and all that is good. They had been given that responsibility by God. Which begs the question, what do God's people owe God? The answer in no uncertain terms is clear. God's people owe God fruit. Otherwise, Jesus says, wrapping up the parable, I tell you the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. We are like tenants of the kingdom. Tenants of the king the owner of all. We are stewards of the kingdom of God. For anyone called by God to a particular stewardship of serving or a particular ministry, including all of us, there is a temptation to assume ownership and confuse our call to serve with being in charge. And then all of a sudden, instead of God's ministry, it becomes our ministry. And then we have closed ourselves off to what God is doing in and through us. 
what God calls us to do. Now, what is the mission of God in the world? God comes revealing himself fully in his son, Jesus. Jesus has come and continues to come to restore the world to God's goodness, to wholeness, to peace. Jesus' ministry demonstrated this restoration throughout his time on this earth. In Matthew 4, we read about Jesus teaching, preaching, and healing, giving life, bringing newness to people who are sick and hungry and caught in sin, trapped in evil and dying. The sick were healed, the hungry were fed, sinners were forgiven, those in bondage were freed, the dead were raised to life. And we too are called to bear this fruit of the kingdom in our ministry. Throughout Matthew's gospel, which includes the parable that we heard, there is a struggle to identify the ways God's people are called into ministry and mission of God. Over and over, Matthew brings us back to the words of Jesus, which stress our call and responsibility in real-life action, in real-life fruit, real-life practice. Chapter after chapter, chapter 4, 5, and 6, are on these life issues. And Matthew quotes Jesus' teaching and contrasts it with destructive self-serving, reconciliation versus anger, peacemaking versus retaliation, fidelity versus adultery, truth-telling versus lying, love versus hatred, giving versus greed, faith versus worry, humility versus judging others. And the pivotal teaching moment in the parable Jesus tells comes when Jesus asks the religious leaders what the owner of the vineyard will do to the tenants when he comes, after those tenants have abused and killed those he sent, including his son. The religious leaders responded, saying, the owner will put those tenants, those wretches, to a miserable death. Seems the just and natural thing to do. But did you notice Jesus does not affirm this response? Instead, he quotes a passage from the Bible from Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and is amazing in our eyes. Jesus' response points to his mission and the new way of God's kingdom among us, sending his son in a vulnerable act of love, sharing his very self, through self-giving love. This is a whole new way of pursuing justice, a new kind of power that gives life rather than takes it. As we heard Paul's words in the second lesson, this letter that he wrote to the church at Philippi, he is wanting to throw everything in his life away, regard it as garbage, in order that he may gain Christ and be found in Christ, his life-giving power. Paul talks about sharing, and what kind of sharing? Sharing in the sufferings of Christ. He will come to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And how do we live in this way, sharing the sufferings of Christ? Is it not bearing fruit rather than letting fall to the ground and rot? Doing more than expected in peacemaking, in truth-telling, in forgiving, in reconciling, in giving, in living with humility, the fruit of the Spirit is, as Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. More than anything, I think Jesus' parable about the vineyard causes me to stop and ask myself, 
What are we called to be about in the community of God's people, the church? It starts, I think, with recognizing whose church it is, God's. And the church, like a vineyard, needs caretakers, those willing to roll up their sleeves and help nurture the growing process. Sometimes it helps to get a phone call, like I got from Minnie. Have you tended the fruit? She asked. Thank God for questions like hers that keep us accountable as caretakers of Christ's vineyard. Let us pray. O God, all the earth belongs to you. We belong to you. Our church belongs to you. Forgive us for the times when we get confused about the question of ownership and fail to serve your purpose and your mission. Because of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, we know your mission is to restore all in a unity of love and peace. Refresh us through the power of your Holy Spirit for the work of your restoring and life-giving mission, that we may bear the fruits you desire for the good of all your people. And we pray today for an abundant harvest. Bless and care for those whose hands bring the fruits of the earth to the tables, to our table, and to the tables of all who are hungry. Instill in us a deep care for your creation and desire to work to feed the hungry. And we pray today for leaders of our community, state and country, that they would use their positions to serve your people in protecting and preserving life in the way of justice, for the welfare of all, especially those who are powerless. And we pray for families, communities, our country, the relationship between nations, for peace among political rivals and throughout the coming election. May we all become instruments of your peace. So in union where there is discord, we pray this, O oh Lord. We pray for firefighters and relief workers, for healthcare workers, for scientists working on a vaccine, for essential workers, for their protection, encouragement, and energy. Give health and wholeness to all who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. We pray for those suffering from coronavirus, the President and First Lady, and all who have contracted COVID-19. For those from our community who we name before you, Colleen, Songhi, Lucille, Terry, Brett, Ruth, Leroy, Larry, Sandy, Bonnie, Gary, Adele, John, and those we name before you. And we remember all who grieve the loss of loved ones, especially the family and loved ones of Barb Weiss. Comfort them and bring them hope in this time. Risen Lord Jesus, you went ahead of us into the grave and defeated the powers of sin and death and the evil one. We remember those who have died, especially those most dear to us. Inspire us to live our lives in resurrection hope of that day when we'll be reunited with those who have gone before us. We pray now the prayer our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.